You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, brought to you by Xmark Manufacturing. 30 years of pioneering spirit and innovation have resulted in legendary durability, all-day comfort, and unmatched cut quality. Go check them out at xmark.com. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 370, entitled, Do You Need to Be Mechanically Inclined to Run a Lawn Care Business? Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Appreciate uh, all of the questions and comments and uh, feedback that you guys have been sending through. Uh, As I uh, always say each and every week, I really do appreciate uh, you guys uh, doing that. Uh, just a quick reminder uh, this week, uh, if you're thinking about uh, heading out to the Equip Expo in uh, October there in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, formerly known as uh, the GIE Expo, and uh, you want to get in on that early bird pricing, uh, we're coming up to uh, you know the last sort of home stretch here of when that early bird pricing will be in effect. I believe it's September. September 9th. Uh, and as I'm recording this uh, today on uh, Monday, uh, or Monday uh, August 15th. So we've got uh, a few, you know, maybe three weeks or so left uh, on that early bird uh, pricing. So uh, if you want to get in on that, and that uh, discount code gets you 50% off of your uh, Equip Expo show passes. Uh, so you can enter uh, coupon code Julio at the checkout uh, if you go to the Equip Expo website and go to the registration and, and just go to the promotional codes or discount codes at checkout and enter uh, the code Julio. Or uh, you can uh, use the link provided in the podcast show notes. Uh, that'll take you right to the registration page with the uh, discount code already applied. Uh, or if you follow me on Instagram, there's a uh, linked uh, code for uh, the uh, Equip Expo uh, discounted show passes there in my uh, link tree. Or you can uh, simply go to uh, my website, uh, lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash equip, and that'll take you uh, straight uh, through to the registration page with that discount code uh, already applied. Uh, so like I said, uh, September the 9th, I believe, is when uh, that uh, early bird pricing where you get 50% off of your show passes when you use uh, those discount codes. Uh that's uh, when uh, that will uh, expire. So uh, if you have uh, been thinking about it, uh, you know, you've got a couple weeks left to, uh, you know, sort of um, get your uh, plans all sorted out uh, and, uh, you know, uh, to do. I know that, that um, I think it was 2018 when I was sitting on the fence uh, on going um, to GIE Expo uh, that year, uh, <clears throat> when it was still called the GIE Expo, uh, I remember uh, using somebody's discount code and uh, getting my show passes for 50% off. And I wasn't even sure if I was going yet, but because um, of the discount codes being 50% off, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to 
book uh, the show passes. And if I go, I go. If I don't go, it's no big deal because they were 50% off. It was so cheap anyways uh, for the show passes. So something you might want to do uh, if you're, uh, you know, not sure of your plans, uh, you know, maybe it's going to be a last minute decision for you. You know, it might be worth just booking uh, those tickets, uh, you know, with the 50% off uh, discount codes in advance. I know the year I did, I know, I don't know exactly what the prices are this year. Um, but I know the year I did it with the 50% off, it was like um, $10 or $20 uh, for uh, the um the show passed for like the whole uh, three days of the GIE Expo that year. So, and I didn't even end up going in 2018. So it wasn't, you know, um, I lost out on 20 bucks or whatever it was, but it was like, it's no big deal because had I not, had I waited to sort of confirm my plans and then decided I was going to go, I think that at the door registration there is like $80. So it was like, you know, it would have saved uh, a lot uh, had I gone. And then uh, because I didn't, you know, I lost out on a little bit. It wasn't a huge, huge deal. So just something uh, to consider if you're uh, on the fence and uh, uh, not, um, you know, quite sure of your plans yet, it may just be worth uh, booking those uh, Equip Expo show passes anyways ahead of time, uh, just because the cost savings are uh, so much uh, more with that 50% off uh, promotion until September the 9th. Uh, also, as you can probably hear, uh, I'm feeling a lot uh, better this week. Still recovering. Um, still have some lingering effects from the cold that I was struggling through uh, that last uh, podcast episode. I did end up uh, <clears throat> taking another uh, COVID test just to make sure, and it was negative uh, as suspected. So it was just um, uh cold or a flu or something that was uh, going through the family. Uh, all of us uh, tested uh, for COVID and we all came up negative, uh, but just wanted to make sure with that anyways, even though uh, we kind of knew that uh, you know it wasn't uh, COVID this time around. Uh, but uh, yeah, just got some lingering effects as you can hear, but uh, some occasional sort of, you know, still having to clear the throat and all that. So bear with me on that, but uh, feeling a lot better uh, than uh, I was last week uh, was uh, just uh, uh, a bit of a rough go getting through the podcast episode uh, sort of uh, right at the height of uh, the, uh, w you know, whatever it was that I was going through, whether it was a flu or a cold or whatever it was. Um so, uh, yeah, feeling a lot better with that. Uh, also, uh, this week, I talked about last week about, uh, you know, the importance of having backup equipment. And this week's episode kind of uh, piggybacks off of that theme uh, because uh, I've got some updates on, um, you know, the situation of, uh, you know, what was going on uh, with my Xmark uh, Commercial 30 uh, and, um, uh, you know, what uh, kind of uh, happened uh, with that. So uh, I'm just going to play uh, this week's uh, podcast uh, sponsored ad, and then uh, we'll get into uh, this week's episode uh, in its entirety right after this. So stay tuned. At Xmark, we've poured decades of leading-edge engineering and old-fashioned work ethic into our Laser Z, the pioneering commercial zero-turn rider more landscape pros trust. So now you can experience cut quality, performance, comfort, durability, and reliability beyond your wildest dreams. 
Stop by your local dealer or visit xmark.com to experience an Xmark Laser Z and the attractive financing offers available now. Okay, so as I mentioned uh, previous uh, to uh, the sponsored ad there, uh, last week's episode was all about the importance of having backup equipment. And I talked about how I was uh, mowing one of my client's lawns and I was using the Xmark Commercial 30 and uh, was going around this uh, island type area where there's these like garden beds in the middle of the lawn. And uh, the mower all of a sudden for the first time after three years of just running, you know, trouble-free, never really having uh, any issues with that commercial 30. It's been absolutely uh, phenomenal uh, that it just suddenly died. It sounded like uh, it was you know, running out of gas, but it was very quick. Um, to die, it wasn't like you know, sputtering like you would have uh, with running out of gas, where it's kind of like, you know, you may have a little bit of gas left in the tank, and it's kind of like it, you know, getting to that point where it kind of sputters and then kind of you know, revs back up and kind of sputters up. This was very instant. It just kind of like sputtered and died. Uh, so I thought immediately because as I was going tight along that uh, flower bed, there was a whole bunch of overhanging branches and bushes and stuff and the throttle control there that, um, you know, the, that lever that's there on the, the side of the motor on those uh, Xmark uh, mowers uh, or Actually, those uh, Kawasaki FJ180 engines have the that throttle control right there on on the actual engine, as opposed to up on the handles, like some uh, other brands, like the old uh, Honda HRC216 that I used to use. So you know, occasionally you'll brunch, you'll under a tree or a bush or something like that, and you know you can get uh, stuff that pulls back. Uh, that throttle control and it uh, will most times it'll it'll just rev down lower uh, but occasionally you know it can snag something and actually turn the mower off it can go to the stop position so that's what I thought uh, happened and it very well may be something along those lines uh, and uh, you know and then I went to start it and I thought that uh, the motor was flooded and I think I told you guys about um, you know I just you know I was trying to start the thing over and over again it started to pour rain so I'm sitting there in this uh, yard with half mowed lawn and it's starting to pour down rain and I'm trying to start this machine up again and it just won't start regardless of what I'm doing I'm trying on the like the regular sort of you know throttle position, then going to like choke position to try that because you know it just wasn't working either way. And then I thought, okay, well now I've you know been pulling this uh, pull cord so many times that I've probably flooded it. Um, so you know it's not going to start uh, for a while. So what do I do? Do I sit here and wait, or do I uh, just load it up and uh, head back home because I didn't have any other mowers with me at the time? Uh, and ultimately decided, you know what, I'm just going to head back home because I'm close enough my root density you know as i've talked about uh over and over again on this podcast uh you know i've built it up around sort of the neighborhoods that i work is uh, sort of where all of my clients are so you know multiple times a day i can come home i can use the washroom i can switch out equipment and all that sort of stuff it just makes it very very convenient so i thought you know what i'm just gonna i was gonna head home anyways to go get a larger machine for the sort of next properties i was going to do so i thought you know what i'll just head home a little bit early uh and then grab uh switch out uh you know the mower uh, get the xmark commercial 21 and then use that to finish out uh, the rest of the lawn 
So that's what I ended up doing and finished out uh, the lawn with the t- the 21, left the commercial 30 at home. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, pardon, I uh, tried to uh, start the XMark Commercial 30 again, and it wouldn't start still. So I thought that was kind of strange, and uh, you know, ultimately thought, okay, well, maybe you know, um, uh, the spark plugs fouled or something like that. So uh, being that the um, XMark Commercial 21 uh, uses the same FJ180. Uh, you know, I thought at that time, okay, well, let me uh, swap out the spark plugs because I know the spark plugs will be the same between the two motors since it's the same motor. And uh, that'll, you know, kind of rule out uh, quickly the spark plugs. So I swapped the spark plugs quickly. And uh, I tried the spark plug from the commercial 30 in the 21 and I pulled start that and it started right away. So I was like, okay, well, that seems a bit, you know, uh, strange. And then I went to start uh, the commercial 30 and the commercial 30 started. So then I thought, okay, you know, maybe, you know, that was sort of leading me down that uh, thought of, you know, it's probably flooded uh, that, uh, you know, because I now removed the spark plug to do the swap, you know, that allowed enough air into the cylinder head to evaporate any maybe fuel or anything that may be, you know, just sitting in there uh, from being flooded. And then, you know, which, you know, now it's starting. So that makes sense. And uh, so I thought, okay, now it's, it's working and stuff. And, um, you know, problem solved. It's all good. And, and that's, uh, you know, where I left off at the point of recording that last week's uh, podcast episode. So uh, just fast forward, uh, you know, I do last week's podcast episode, and then I decide, you know what, I, uh, you know, need to, uh, you know, go do some mows. Uh, this past week, I actually went away for a couple days uh, on vacation, because it was sort of the off week uh, that I've talked about sort of here in the summer, where I have an on week and an off week, an on week being a week where I'm mowing everybody. An off week is the alternating week where I'm only mowing lawns that need weekly mowing in the summertime. Uh, and that's just sort of the, just those the handful of clients that will still water their lawns. And they're typically ones that I do the fertilizers and stuff for too. But you know, I do have ones that I fertilize, uh, that don't water their lawns. And then, you know, those don't require mowing because, you know, watering is sort of the most important thing here in the summertime, uh, to keep that lawn green. So, you know, of the ones that do have fertilizer and do water, you know, there's a handful left. I'll combine them in on a day and then go and do those. So that's uh, typically usually the Wednesday. So uh, actually celebrated um, my 24th wedding anniversary, uh, went to uh, the U.S. Uh, with my wife. Uh, we uh, toured uh, and, you know, did some touristy things uh, there through Washington State and stuff. And then came back uh, for the Wednesday so that I could uh, do those uh, mowings. So I went and uh, pulled out the commercial 30 uh, to load up in that morning. And I, I got uh, the mowers uh, getting ready and stuff. I filled it with fuel. And I was uh, just about pushing it up the ramp. And uh, my wife uh, came outside in the morning. Cause she's off for the summer. And uh, she said, uh, shouldn't you, um, you know, try starting that, uh, you know, before you uh, load it up and go? 
And it was almost like an omen that she said that. <laughs> because I was like, yeah, I guess so. It was working, you know, the other couple days ago when I swapped out the spark plug, you know, it was just flooded or whatever. Um, so I went and uh, put the choke on and then pulled the cord and it wouldn't start. And so I tried again a bunch of times and thing. And again, it just wouldn't start. So I was like, well, thank goodness that she came out and, you know, said that uh, and, uh, you know, had made me sort of uh, double check that it was working. Uh, otherwise, I'd be, uh, you know, uh, a bit frustrated to get to my first lawn and then the mower not having to start. And then I, you know, have to track back and then go get the 21 again. So I just left it in the garage and then, I, you know, I pulled out the 21 and uh, loaded that up and, uh, you know, went on to my, uh, you know, day and did all uh, the mows and stuff. So then fast forward, uh, you know, a couple days later, uh, you know, I came home that day you know, after finishing all my mows with the 21. And I have to say that, you know, after, you know, that first time when the commercial 30 initially died sort of partway through uh, that lawn, I came home and, you know, I used that Xmark commercial 21 and it's a great mower, uh, but, you know, it felt after using the Xmark commercial 30 for three seasons now, the 21, especially with that aluminum body, um, it it's just so much lighter um, that it felt like a toy. It didn't it didn't even feel like it's a commercial mower uh, when you're using you know versus using the commercial thirty because the commercial thirty just it's a tank the thing and then just the way it sounds it sounds like a helicopter when you engage the blades and stuff. So you know it was just kind of a weird feeling and then going to back to a twenty one inch mower was just like oh man like I totally missed the the 30 and then having to then um you know and that was just that half lawn that day uh and then going to you know that following week and then having to you know do all those wednesday mows uh that i had combined so a full day of mowing on the wednesday and uh having to use the 21 for that for the entire day um you know the more uh, works like a champ. It bags beautifully. It, you know, cuts nice and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but just the size difference after using the 30 for those, you know, past three years, I was just like, man, like, you know, I've always kept, um, the Xmark commercial 21, um, as sort of, you know, as I think I've explained it last week too, as it's, it's now sort of relegated as the backup mower. I only put one season on it um, when I got it brand new and then ended up getting the commercial 30 the following season. So it's like a brand spanking new mower. It's shiny. It's, uh, you know, it it looks very, very new. Uh, and I'm just like, man, like I've always kept this as the backup. But, you know, and I'm starting to rethink that. I'm thinking like, like, I just love the Xmark Commercial 30. It's such a great mower. The size of it, the efficiency of it. Yes, it's heavier. You know, I hear everybody complaining about the weight of the machine and all that sort of stuff, uh, you know, on YouTube videos that I do and things like that. And and I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, you know, if this is your business, you want to use what's, you know, the most efficient tool that you can on a particular job. And yes, of course, the Xmark Commercial 30 is heavy. Yes, you do notice it, um, you know, especially going from a 21 to the 30. But, 
you get used to it. You build that muscle memory. After three years of using that thing day in and day out and not using a 21-inch mower, it's second nature to me. I don't even think about it anymore. It's not It's not something like, oh, man, I got to use this mower. It's so heavy, blah, blah, blah. I don't even think about it. It's it's easy to pivot. It's easy to use. And just most importantly, it's just so efficient compared to the 21. So I just absolutely love it. So now I'm thinking, you know, going after going through a day of using uh, the 21, I'm like, man, like, it's just, it's a nice mower. It's great and everything. But compared to the 30, it's just relatively slow. It's a 21-inch mower, like any other 21-inch mower. Uh, and I'm just so used to the 30 that I'm like, man, I should, you know, this mower is in great shape. It's only like a year old. I should really probably sell this mower and maybe one of my um, Honda HRC 216s that I still have, uh, you know, sell a couple of those and then, um, you know, pick up another commercial 30 and, you know, maybe use, you know, get a brand new commercial 30, use that as my main mower, sort of, you know, um, upgrade, uh, the more to a newer version, use that and then use the one that I have uh, that's got three seasons on it as the backup more or as an alternating more kind of use uh, uh, it on a thing. But the thing is, it runs fantastic. It's like I've, I think I've told you guys, it's still on the original belts. Uh, I've never changed belts on it or anything. The thing is just fantastic. Other, you know, aside from this issue that has popped up. So anyways, uh, you know, that just kind of a side note there that you know after using and being forced to use a 21 inch mower again I'm like man really understand the value of that 30 inch mower now it just you know that's so efficient so you know I started to dig into the mower which popped you know into me that question of do you need to be mechanically inclined uh to you know, run a lawn care business. And of course you don't have to be mechanically inclined. I know plenty of guys that uh, will rely on shops and stuff. They don't even, you know, do any maintenance on any of their equipment. But for me, I think there's a clear advantage uh, to being mechanically inclined, to knowing your equipment, to knowing the ins and outs of your equipment. And that's why I've you know, not shied away from you know, tearing into things when uh, need be, whether it's you know, a simple fix like you know, a, a loose bolt or a cable replacement or obviously belt replacements doing valve adjustments on like steel uh, formix equipment. Um, I remember blowing a head gasket on um, a John Deere tractor that I had and having to replace uh, the head gasket. And, uh, you know, now with this uh, Xmark Commercial 30. So, like I said, I originally thought that this thing was uh, flooded. Turns out that, you know, obviously that wasn't the case because, you know, uh, it uh, wasn't starting again. So I thought, uh, you know, another advantage of uh, having backup equipment, I would say, is having backup equipment with the same power plants or interchangeable parts. So, of course, the Xmark Commercial 30 uh, uses, at least the one that I have, the S-Series, has the uh, Kawasaki FJ180 motor on it. And that is consequently the exact same Kawasaki FJ180 that the uh, Xmark Commercial 21 has. And despite the Commercial 21 being, like I said, a newer uh, mower, technically it's older because I've had it for one year longer, but because I've only used it one season, it's a much newer mower. Uh, I was... Um, 
not even hesitant to sacrifice <laughs> that Xmark Commercial 21, uh, you know, in uh, the name of science, I guess you could say, uh, to figure out what was wrong uh, with the Xmark Commercial 30 being the same motor. So, you know, I start to dig into it, and of course, there's three things uh, with a motor, right? There's uh, you need fuel. You need uh, air and you need spark, right? If you don't have one of those three things, uh, the mower is not going to start. So it's a you know a process of elimination. You you can check the simple things first. Does it have fuel? Um, you know that's something that's pretty easy to check uh, by removing the spark plug. Uh, you know if you're you know pulling the cord like I was, uh, and it's not starting, and you pull the spark plug out. If the spark plug is visibly wet then you know you've got fuel. So that wasn't an issue. You know, I've had times where, you know, uh, you've got a carburetor that's clogged up or, you know, something like that, a fuel filter that's plugged and, you know, you're not getting fuel. So you're pulling the cord, pulling the cord, pulling the cord, and then, you know, pull the spark plug out to check and it's bone dry. There's nothing there, right? And then sometimes I'll stick my finger right uh, in the spark plug hole while I'm pulling the cord to see because you'll get like a spray on your finger. Uh, You'll see the tip of your finger being wet if you're getting fuel and, you know, there'd be nothing. But in this case, plenty of fuel happening. So, you know, I thought, uh, you know, is there a problem with air? Because you need air, of course, as well. Um, so fuel spark air. So I check, uh, pull out the air cleaner and check that and air cleaner is relatively clean. It has a little bit of, uh, some dry grass or, you know, uh, dirt and stuff stuck to that sort of foam pre-filter. Um, but not enough to not make it run. And then of course I, you know, I've got, I put the spark plug back in, start pulling the cord with the fuel filter or sorry, the, um, air cleaner off of it, uh, off of the carburetor and pulling that. And, you know, technically if it was the, uh, air cleaner, uh, being the issue clogged up, uh, you know, trying to pull it without the air cleaner, it should start and, you know, it wouldn't start. So it's not an air issue. So next was to check for spark. So again, I removed the spark plug and I, uh, typically would, you know, I put the spark plug back on the boot uh, plugged it back into, you know, the spot, but it, you know, this time it's outside of the mower. Uh, so the spark plug's not in the actual mower. And then you, you take that sort of electrode portion of the spark plug and put it, you know, towards something metal, uh, you know, in, in a lot of cases it'll line up with, uh, you know, the valve cover, uh, on the, you know, those, um, commercial mowers. So I put it around there and, you know, you pull the cord and you should visibly see the spark jump from the electrode uh, to uh, the little tip there uh, on the spark plug. And I couldn't see anything. So I was like, okay, you know, are my eyes deceiving me? Is it just like kind of weak, the spark? So I thought, you know what? Again, here I am. I've got two mowers exactly the uh, with the same power plant. Both have the Kawasaki FJ180. Let me put the Commercial 21 beside it. Let me pull the spark plug out of the, the motor on that one put the boot and check for spark on that one to see what it looks like on that particular mower. Just in case, you know, it's something that I'm not familiar with, with these Kawasaki engines because I've, you know, run the Hondas uh, for so many years previously. So, you know, on the 21, I do the same uh, procedure. I pull the cord and, you know, clear as day, you see the spark uh, jumping on that, right? So I'm like, okay, obviously it's not my eyes that are deceiving me. I'm not getting spark on this commercial 30. So, you know, 
very simple uh, electrical components on these, uh, you know, uh, lawnmower type engines. You know, you've got the coil, you've got the uh, spark plug, uh, you know, cable with the boot on it. You know, probably an issue there. Uh, then on top of the flywheel, there's, uh, you know, a couple of magnets there uh, that are going around a circle, which, uh, you know, um, are timed, I guess, with the coil, and that's what creates the spark to the spark plug, and uh, you go from there. So very simple. It's not like it's, you know, like a vehicle or a car or something like that with uh, like a million components and onboard computers and things like that. So very, very simple, uh, you know, a basic mechanical type system. So again, like I said, I got two mowers, exactly the same. Um, let me sacrifice the uh, 21. I'm going to pull, you know, the engine shroud cover off of that, uh, pull the coil and the cable off of that one and swap it with a commercial 30 and uh, see, uh, you know, if that's the issue. So I go through the procedure, pulling the uh, engine shrouds off of both the, the mowers, start, you know, uh, digging a little bit deeper into the mowers. I get the coil off of uh, the uh, commercial uh, 21, get the coil off the 30. I swap them. I quickly go online and check out, uh, you know, the procedures for installing and uh, the coil on uh, those commercial 30s on the Kawasaki FJ180. Uh, and see what the tolerances or the the air gap that is required uh, on the coil. So when you're installing the coil, there's two bolts, <clears throat> but the coil has to be a certain distance away from the flywheel and those magnets. Uh, so as that flywheel is spinning, uh, those magnets are uh, you know coming into very close contact, but not contact, uh, but very close. Uh, it's almost like a you know the gap on a spark plug, uh, sort of thing, right? Where you're when you're putting a new spark plug, you have to adjust uh, the gap between the electrode and the tip. Same sort of idea. So when you're tightening the bolts down on uh, the um, uh, that uh, part there with uh, the cable uh, you want this uh, you want to make sure that that gap uh, is perfect and I think it was 20 thousandths of an inch if I'm remembering correctly between 20 thousandths and 24 thousandths of an inch or 20 thousandths and 30 th I can't remember exactly off the top of my head so don't quote me on that uh, look it up uh, but I did it on the low end I know that I did it at the the lowest end which was the 20,000 that that I know I the range I can't remember but I remember it started at 20,000 which was the closest that it could be uh, so I gr grabbed one of my feeler gauges that has uh, all of the little uh, measurements on there so I found the 20,000 of it uh, put it between uh, the coil uh, <clears throat> and the flywheel, tightened the bolt down on the one side, did the same thing on the other side for the second bolt, got it, then just double-checked it with the feeler gauge at 20 thousandths of an inch to make sure that the feeler gauge uh, you know, slips in and out uh, easily, not too tight, not too loose, just perfect fit. Uh, and it did perfectly, so got that all set. Uh, then uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, uh, since I used the, the Commercial 21 last I know that the coil and the cable, spark plug cable, are good on it, um, but I'll also swap out the spark plug as well because I know that that was running. So I do that, and I get that all done. I have to put the whole shroud back together uh, and do all that to be able to pull the cord uh, to try it out. So I get the whole motor uh, buttoned up, and I go to pull the cord, and it doesn't start. I'm still doing the exact same thing, and I'm like, this is crazy. So I'm like... 
that's so strange. So then I'm like, well, let me, uh, you know, try out the old coil with the old cable and the old spark plug on the, on the 21. So I go through the same procedure, getting the feeler gauge, adjusting that gap between the coil and the flywheel, tightening the bolts down, doing all of that. And, uh, you know, uh, putting the shroud together, getting the whole mower all buttoned up. So now that commercial 21 has the coil, the cable and the spark plug from the commercial 30 that was not running, that died on me, that was not getting spark confirmed. And I go to pull it and it starts. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like these motors are so simple. There's not like, there's nothing else to this what could this be because the commercial 30 is still not starting it's an obvious spark problem i check actually pull the spark plug out again i check for spark again now the commercial 30 is sitting here with the coil the cable and the spark plug from the xmark commercial 21 that has the exact same kawasaki fj180 motor that i was using to mow lawns with so i know it all works and it's not getting spark. And I'm like, there's something missing here. So I do a quick search. I'm like, there, there's got to be something that I'm missing here. Uh, and, uh, you know, I did notice that there's another little wire coming from the bottom of the coil. You actually had to plug it in and unplug it to swap the coil over. Uh, it's a single little wire. It's a ground wire, essentially, that goes from the coil to uh, the off switch. Uh, and it goes to this little like brass little um, piece there that's sitting there uh, at the switch. And when you put the switch to the off position, that, that little brass piece that is attached to that wire is not making any contact with metal. But when you um, put the mower in the off position, that switch has a middle little uh, piece that goes in between the mower and that little brass. It kind of makes contact with that little brass piece. And basically, um, it closes the connection uh, and creates uh, sort of like a full loop for that electrical uh, uh, ground, uh, essentially grounding it. And that's what turns the mower off. It kills, uh, I guess, the spark on the coil and uh, turns off the mower. So I'm looking at that wire and I'm like, like, I see absolutely nothing wrong with a wire. In fact, it's, you know, it's got a little, you know, like spade connector on one end that connects to the uh, coil. And then on the other end, it's just a little like terminal loop with a screw through it that goes to that little brass connector and everything's fine. Everything's clean. Everything's tight looking. Um, I decide, you know what? I'm going to have to pull it off to check it anyways, to take a closer look. Cause maybe it's rubbing somewhere. Uh, maybe the wires rubbed through somewhere just from vibration and is grounding out on the cylinder and stuff because it runs, you know, along the cylinder head and stuff like that. It's on like the fins and things. So I thought, okay, well, maybe it's, you know, it's rubbing there because that would make sense if it rubbed through, uh, the electrical coating, um, you know, then, and then the wire itself is making contact, then that would be the same as it being in the off position and would be killing the spark and, and, you know, not getting spark. So I take that wire off, fish it through sort of how it's all kind of fished through there. And 
I examine it and it's, it's strange because it has like that spade connector. It was in perfect condition. It has the other side, the sort of the loop connector that has the screw through it. And then the wire itself, not only is it sort of, it's just like a black, you know, small thin wire that has your no, sort of normal wire sheathing around it. But then on top of that, it's inside another piece of sheathing to protect from exactly what I was thinking that, you know, if it rubbed up against the cylinder head and heat and all that sort of stuff uh, to protect it from that. It's got like basically two layers of protection to prevent that. So I'm looking at this over and over, you know, just trying to examine the whole thing. And there's nothing. There is not anywhere where it's rubbed through. There's not anywhere where there's anything. And I'm like, you know, it can't be anything to do with this because it doesn't make any sense. It, like, and I'm checking the little switch underneath to make sure it wasn't making any contact. And it's not, it's, you know, I can press up on it and touch to make ground. Uh, and, uh, you know, when, and then when I move this, the switch from the run position to the stop position, I can see that it is then, uh, pressing up on that, uh, brass little tab to make connection uh, so i'm like that just you know it it makes no sense that it's um um you know that it's not running uh that it's not getting spark through this right so i said you know what the only way to know 100 percent for sure is to you know dig into that xmark commercial 21 again take it all apart again so that i can get that wire off of the same part and swap it to the commercial 30 even though this one looks absolutely perfect, it doesn't look like there's anything wrong with it, I'm going to do that. So again, pull the shroud off, pull uh, you know everything that I need to get out of the way to be able to pull that little uh, cable out. So I pull that little cable out and go through the process of reinstalling it on the Xmark Commercial 30 and put that all together and then have to reassemble uh you know, the rest of the motor back, putting the shroud back and all that sort of stuff uh, back onto it, putting the flywheel and everything on those uh, commercial 30s. It's a bit of a, it's a little bit challenging with that FJ 180. Uh, You've got four bolts on the top that take off uh, the uh, pull cord section. Uh, but then to get the engine shroud off, there's three bolts. There's one on uh, the one side and then there's two that are connected to that throttle uh, control um, to the bracket that holds that. So you got to get both of those off. But that's not all. The um, Once you get that uh, pull cord section off, there's a uh, sort of a metal grill on top of the flywheel. And it overhangs over the metal shroud and it, it spins when the engine is running. So you can't pull the metal shroud out without getting that grill uh, off. Uh, and that, that grill is there to protect uh, the flywheel itself from, you know, I guess sticks and things going in there and maybe possibly jamming up or, uh, you know, uh, breaking some of the little fins and stuff on the flywheel. Uh, so, or on like the fan part that cools the engine. So, you know, you have to remove that, uh, part. So then there's this, like this big bolt in the center of that. And there's a special tool that you get that lines up with the center of that, that you put in and hold it in place. And then it allows you to remove, uh, 
basically allows you to hold the engine from turning while you use like a wrench to turn uh, that big nut to remove uh, the flywheel that pulls also that uh, grill off. And once you do that, then you can take the engine shroud off that reveals then um, the coil and, uh, uh, you know, the rest of that part uh, underneath. Um, but I did find a sort of a, a little tip there is, you know, I didn't have the tool, uh, the special sort of wrench that kind of holds it in place. I tried using a screwdriver to stop it from spinning. I tried using pliers uh, and holding sort of, uh, parts of it while I could, you know, undo the bolt and that didn't work. But what did work was just using a good old Milwaukee M18 impact wrench uh, or impact, uh, you know, gun, uh, with, uh, the socket on it and just going that, not even holding the engine uh, and just, uh, doing that. And that just was instant, just took the nut off and then everything came apart very quickly. So it was very, very simple. Didn't need any special tools or anything like that. Uh, so just a quick little, uh, tip, if you're ever having to, uh, dive into, uh, the Kawasaki FJ 180 and you gotta get that nut off and you're, you know, looking online how to do that. And you see that, uh, you know, they're talking about the special little tool, uh, wrench thing that you need to hold the engine while you, uh, uh, you know, try to loosen that bolt. You know, just using, um, you know, if you're going to try to do that by hand with a ratchet or something like that, then yes, you're going to need that. But if you use an impact wrench, you don't need it. It just comes right off. Um, so anyways, uh, I get all that done, get that wire, fish it through, connect it, put everything back together so that I can pull the cord. I go to pull the cord and it starts. So I'm like, what the heck? Like, that's it. So then I'm like, let me check for spark, you know, just just in case, even though it's running, I just want to see, you know, can I visibly see the spark? So I pull the spark plug out, put it back in the boot, put it against the valve cover, pull a cord, and you can see sparks for days. It's like a firework show. It's like no problem seeing spark. It's super easy. So I'm like, it, you know, it was that wire. I don't know why that wire, the wire looks fine. Okay. It was that wire, I think, because here's the plot twist. I decide to take the wire that, uh, was you know apparently the issue and put it in the x mark commercial 21 um since i've got the more apart anyways uh and i thought you know for um giggles let me put that in and um so i don't lose it anyways and i'll either order a new one for the uh, commercial 21 or i'll just make one because it's basically just a wire with a spade connector and a little terminal connector a little round uh, sort of eye terminal connector so let me do that and uh, I put it in, put the mower back together, and then I'm like, let's pull the cord and just see what happens. So I pull the cord, and it starts. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what is going on here? So now the 21 is starting with that little wire that was apparently the issue that was holding up the commercial 30 and not giving it spark and all that sort of stuff. And the commercial 30... Uh, we're starting. So I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Been down that road before. We've been down this road, you know, thinking that, you know, the mower was flooded and I took the spark plug out and then, you know, put it back together and apparently it dried. So I thought, and then it started and stuff and I was kind of fooled. And then, you know, the next you know time I needed the mower, I was loading it up without even checking it until my wife came out and, you know, said, shouldn't you, you know, try that out first? Um, so, you know, I'm not going to call this solved yet until I let it sit and, you know, I'll come back tomorrow um, and I'm going to try it again. I'll pull the cord and try it uh, and see. So anyways, I decided to just clean up, put everything back together. At the moment, both mowers are working and uh, put them away. And then 
you know, I decide to, uh, you know, like I said, to clean it up for the day. The next morning, <clears throat> I decide, okay, let's go. Let's try it out. See what happens. Pull out the commercial 30. Um, you know, at this point, it's been sitting for, uh, you know, overnight and stuff. So I put the choke on, <clears throat> grab the cord, pull it, and starts right away. First pull. I'm like, all right, woohoo, back in business, baby. Got the commercial 30 going. I'm so happy because, like I said, I just love that more. And uh, so I was like, that's awesome. Go thing. So I pull out the 21. Is it going to start? Pull the cord. It starts. So I'm like, what the heck? I still don't know. Like, what? what is it? So my thought now is that it it was touched. It, it had to have been that wire because switching out that um, coil and the spark plug and all that sort of stuff off of the more that worked to the more that didn't work, I wasn't getting spark until I switched out that wire. That wire was the one thing that when I changed it, the more instantly started and has not had an issue since. So my thought is maybe there is a spot. Maybe there is a spot on it that did rub through or something that I just didn't see. Um, or maybe when I was going uh, around those plants, like I said, because I did see those plants, um, you know, uh, you know, branches and stuff get into that throttle uh uh, control portion of the mower and you know it did uh, pull the throttle back and, and thing and i thought okay you know the mower died and stuff because of that but maybe it did something to that uh, little brass piece underneath uh, maybe it bent it or twisted it or did something uh, to it that caused you know it to be grounding out all the time because that could very well be the other issue. Because all it is, is is that wire, like I said, the one side has a spade connector on the coil end. On the other side that goes to that um, on-off switch uh, with the, um, you know, uh, the throttle control, um, it goes to sort of that little spade uh, or round connector that has the screw going through or bolt going through it. And it goes through and underneath is that little brass tab uh, that sits there. And it's supposed to be just, you know, it's supposed to be, it's on a little plastic piece. And you got to remember that whole uh, assembly there is all metal uh, with the throttle control, the bracket and everything's all metal. It's got the two bolts going into the fan shrouding. It's all metal. It's all grounded. So you have that one little wire and on the top of the wire, on the, the where you see the wire going through it's sitting on a plastic piece and it has the screw going through it. And so that plastic piece is insulating it from that bracket. And then that screw is keeping that connection from the top of the wire to the bottom underneath where it's that little brass piece. And that brass piece is also sitting on a little plastic piece to insulate it from that bracket. And then the nut is uh, on there all tightened down. So the only time that that brass piece or that wire is supposed to be making any sort of connection is when you turn the mower uh, to the off position. And then part of that throttle linkage goes and makes contact with that brass piece uh, to then um, uh, ground out uh, that wire. And then that kills uh, the motor. So my thought is, is that what probably happened is as I was mowing uh, past those bushes you know, that, you know, it did grab that the, 
branches and stuff did get in there, but what must have happened is that one uh, branch or something must have been right under there and might have pulled or torqued that brass piece just enough to be turning it and you know having it touch some metal there either along the sides and stuff it wasn't on the the top the part that actually is sort of loose feeling if you put your uh, finger under there and you press it and it kind of feels like a button that you can press to make uh, contact and no contact that was still feeling fine but along the edges the sides and stuff i didn't really pay attention to that part of it and it could have been if it was twisted or torqued just you know because it kind of sits in a groove and it has that little plastic piece to kind of insulate it and if it was twisted or anything to the side which could have very well happened if a branch or something got caught on there and pulled it as i was pushing the mower forward it could have been grounding out on there which would make uh, perfect sense as to why when I took the wire out and I visually inspect it, you know, with that double sheathing and everything on it, it looks completely fine. And it, you know, doesn't have any, you know, issue, but I had to remove that screw. And when I did, you know, take the screw to take that, that top part out, those plastic insulators and the brass little piece all comes apart and it all fell apart. So, just the process of then swapping the wires out and putting it all back together and seating that brass piece back in place in the right spot and tighten the screw could have fixed the issue. Uh, and that's what I'm thinking uh, happened because just the coincidence of kind of, you know, uh, uh, filling in that puzzle of here I am, what happened? The mower has been working absolutely perfectly for three years straight, never had an issue. Here I am mowing a lawn it's mowing perfectly. There's no problems. It's not having any issues. And all of a sudden it just dies as I'm rounding a corner, uh, going around these bushes and these bushes are like kind of going into the side of the mower. The throttle gets pulled back from the, you know, one of the bushes and now I'm having issues and the thing won't start and all that sort of stuff. So just sort of that process elimination and going, okay, checking fuel, checking air, checking spark, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and going through all of that and then uh, seeing that, uh, you know, it was spark that was missing, swapping out the coil, swapping out the spark plug, seeing that there's still no spark. What's left? There's nothing to these mowers. There's literally nothing left. The only thing left was that one ground wire and the magnets on the flywheel. Well, there's nothing wrong with the magnets. They're like glued to the flywheel. There's nothing that can really go wrong with those. So, you know, the only other thing preventing spark is this wire and, you know, the on off switch uh, are the only other issues that uh, could be. So through that process of elimination and going through it, it seems uh, like uh, the mower is uh, solved. I subsequently then waited another day uh, just to, uh, you know, shake out any gremlins and tried it again uh, the third day in a row. And it started again without hesitation, not an issue. Um, ended up mowing my lawn uh, for the first time in uh, three weeks uh, here in the summer. And uh, it did fantastically, as the Commercial 30 always uh, seems to do. Uh, so, Hopefully uh, that has, uh, you know, uh, solved it. But, you know, it just started me thinking about, um, you know, uh, the advantage of being sort of mechanically inclined, not being afraid to dig into stuff can really help out. There's been so many instances over the years of whether I'm mowing and something goes wrong or um, a lot of times it's been... um, 
with the power rake, um, when it comes time to doing power raking and dethatching and all that sort of stuff, I think because that mower takes, or that machine, that power rake, uh, takes such a beating, the, the amount of vibration, um, with those tines digging into the soil, um, you know, that's one that was constantly like every time I was taking that thing out, uh, at a certain time, I always made sure I had like, you know, a socket set and stuff with me to be able to take the covers off and change belts and things on it. Uh, because it just goes through, it would go through belts quicker than, you know, most machines because it just the heat and the, um, friction of, you know, the motor is going, the pulleys are turning, but then you have the friction of those tines hitting the ground and kind of slowing down, but the motor still wanting to go. It would heat up the belts a lot, you know, more than, you know, a traditional machine, like a mower that's just allowed to spin, uh, the blades with no sort of real friction happening, um, or resistance happening. Um, so the, you know, the belts would heat up and if you didn't have the right, you know, type of belt. Sometimes, you know, a belt would wear out and, you know, I wouldn't have um, access uh, to the proper belts with like the Kevlar or whatever in it. So I would just get like a regular belt and then it would be like, man, like, you know, a day or two uh, going through belts uh, every, uh, you know, four or five houses of power raking and you'd need to put a new belt on it uh, because it was just like a regular rubber belt um, that would just, you know, with the heat and stuff would break down very quickly. So, you know, being mechanically inclined, being able to tear down stuff, whether it's, you know, the equipment, whether it's, you know, your truck, uh, doing things like fixing, uh, you know, a flat tire and stuff uh, on the road. Um, you know, I remember one time uh, pulling up, uh, my brother-in-law had asked me uh, to look after one of his clients when he went on vacation. And, uh, it was a client that was quite a distance away. Uh, so I had to do kind of, you know, a bit of a drive to get there. It wasn't like super far. It wasn't out of the city or anything, but it was just a little bit in an area or, to, or you know, a uh, neighborhood that I don't normally service. So I went out there and it just happened that there was another company working on, um, I think it was a roofing company and it had one of those flat roofs on the house uh, that was, it's like tar and gravel um, where they, you know, they, they have these tar machines and they put like the hot stinky tar on the roof and then it gets covered in, in gravel. So they had like lance, those big landscape rakes on the ground. And I didn't see uh, as I was pulling up to the lawn and they had the one of the landscape breaks uh, kind of on is like a, a, a front lawn that the grass just kind of goes to the road. There's no curbs or anything like that. Um, and it's kind of gravel, um, you know, up to uh, where you park and stuff between the road and the lawn, kind of gravelly area where cars would park and stuff. And uh, I guess they had the rake there. I didn't see it. Uh, so I kind of, I guess, drove over it. Uh, and then, you know, I got out and stuff. I wasn't on the rake, I guess, but I just drove over the rake uh, with one of the t- truck's tires and, uh, you know, went to see they had stuff all over the lawn and stuff. So I was like, well, obviously I can't mow the lawn because they got all these equipment and things happening and all this stuff. So, you know, I'm going to have to skip it. Uh, my, you know, my brother-in-law wouldn't have known that that was going to happen and uh, that they were doing the roofing and all that sort of stuff. So I decided to leave. And as I got like a, literally a block and a half away, uh, I heard like, you know, the truck having a flat tire, right? So I went out and it was completely flat. So, you know, I had to like, I got to change the tire. And then, uh, you know, I went out there, but I couldn't get the tire, um, 
down. Like the tire wouldn't lower for some reason on the truck. It's got one of those uh, things where you got to put like the cable or put something in like where the license plate is and then you lower the tire and stuff. It just wouldn't lower for some reason. This is on an older other truck that I had, not my current truck. And uh, I couldn't get the tire down. So I was like, well, what do I do? Well, I have got a tire plug kit, but you know, I've never done a tire plug with without being able to take the tire off. Um, so I tried it luckily because of the clearance of the truck being, you know, a bit taller and stuff. I was able to there sit on the side of the road, lying on the ground, um, be able to, you know, uh, pull out, um, well, there actually wasn't even any screw or anything because it was a, a rake I went over, uh, but I found the hole and was able to then, you know, sit there and prep the hole and plug it with the tire on the truck without using a jack or anything uh, on the truck and just lying on the ground on the side of the road and uh, putting this tire plug in and got that got that in and going, you know, and, uh, you know, it was a minimal delay. Uh, it was, you know, uh, other than, you know, being dirty and all that sort of stuff. I'm lying on the ground and sweaty and stuff like that, but, you know, got the tire fixed and plugged up and I was back on the road and back to mowing and stuff. And just being able to be, you know, mechanically inclined for those types of things in this business, because you're surrounded by so much um, equipment, uh, mowers and, you know, trimmers and blowers and, uh, you know, power rakes and aerators and so much stuff like that, um, that it just comes in so handy, uh, being mechanically inclined, being not afraid to dig into equipment that I think there's a clear advantage. Now, of course, you know, if you're a big um, outfit um, or you've got crews and that sort of stuff, and maybe you have a maintenance department, uh, you know, as you get bigger, you're going to have obviously less and less need for that. You're going to have backup equipment, like I talked about last week, the importance of that to keep your crews growing. And then you can have that equipment then sort of queued to get repaired and all that stuff. But when you're a single owner operator, you know, I think there's absolutely a clear advantage um, to being able to uh, work on your own equipment, do the maintenance on your own equipment, learning the ins and outs of that. Um, and that's why, like I said, I'm not afraid to dive into that. I wasn't afraid, even though this was the first time with this Xmark Commercial 30 that I've had an issue. You know, I was like, excited to dig into it and see what it's all about, see what it's saying, because that will only help me in the future. Um, if something arises, now I'll be familiar with this motor because I've never had to dig into it, never had to see what these components are like or what, you know, where things go, what could be the issue, what potential issues there could be, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, so being able to dig into it on that sort of stuff just, I think, is a huge advantage to um, just making things run smoother, um, keep things going uh, throughout the day. Um, you know, I've talked about how, uh, you know, I think I did a video once about with the Honda XRC 216s when I was using those, how, you know, in uh, I was having an issue once with it not running properly and uh, narrowed the problem down to the little fuel filter uh, on those Hondas where they have them in the tank. But not only do they have them in the gas tank, they have them in the hose that is siphoning fuel from the gas tank. So you can imagine how tiny this little fuel filter is. And the fact that it's sticking inside the tube means it's really only the top of this tiny little, you know, area um, that is, you know, uh, filtering out any debris. Uh, so it can get, get uh, 
clogged very, very quickly. And I found that to be an issue with the Hosanna HRC 216s. And, you know, one day just through sheer frustration, um, you know, with that mower not running properly, just always, um, uh, you know, gasping for gas and all that sort of stuff and sputtering and things. And I decided, you know, I pulled the tank off, I pulled the hose out, uh, looked for the fuel filter, noticed that it was inside uh, that uh, hose, pulled it out, saw that it was like all dirty. I was like, this is the stupidest design I've ever seen, where it's just like inside there, inside the hose. It's like a very small area. Of course, debris is going to collect there and pull, you know, siphon into that spot and cause issues. So I ended up just pulling the fuel filter out of that spot. I put the hose back on uh, to the the gas tank on the Hyundai HRC scene, and then I followed the gas line on the side of the engine on the outside, and I just cut it there, and I installed an inline uh, large fuel filter, uh, the actually that I had from uh, still left over from one of my John Deere um, tractor maintenance kits. So you can imagine like this big fuel filter. I just happened to have it, so I was like, oh, I'll just use this because it's the same size sort of for hosing. Um, and I, you know, cut the hose, put that on, put some. I didn't even have clamps for it, so I used uh, uh, metal baling wire around. I twisted it around the the hose where it went to the clamps, and then used pliers to uh, twist it tight. Uh, and uh, you know, still it was like almost you know cutting into the hose, so I knew it was nice and tight, wasn't going to leak. And uh, never had an issue uh, with the mower ever since. Uh, having a nice big you know, fuel filter on it compared to having that little tiny inline thing that was inside the hose uh, and took that out. And, uh, you know, just being mechanically inclined and being able to do that instead of taking, you know, all that sort of stuff like that Honda issue, things like that. Of course, you can take it to a dealer. Of course, you can take it to your service person stuff, but you're going to be delayed. You're going to be, you're going to need to have that backup equipment, which, you know, I do recommend uh, you having, but, you know, you're going to have those delays of waiting a few days for that stuff to get fixed of the cost of paying for labor and all that. And when you're a single owner operator, you know, um, there's only so much you can do. There's only so many lawns that you can mow, only so many clients that you can have. And keeping that stuff all in-house, um, you know, I think is preferable. It's, you know, for me, it's, I've always been mechanically inclined, so it comes natural to me. Um, obviously, it can be a bit of a challenge if you're not, uh, but I would strongly um, recommend you uh start to look into that, start to play with that sort of stuff. You know, these engines are, you know, small engine repair, all this sort of stuff. It's all very basic motors. Uh, Like I said, there's no fuel injections. There's no, um, at least on most of the stuff. Uh, Of course, there's on some things. There is, uh, you know, diesel motors. There's all sorts of stuff. Uh, You can get pretty complicated these days. But there's, you know, for the most part, uh, stuff is pretty basic, air-cooled, carbureted engines uh, that don't have much to do with them all you need is fuel air spark uh, to get the thing going so there's not too many places uh, that you need to look to see uh, where things are going wrong and uh, you can get yourself out of pickle and get yourself back to work uh, pretty quickly so uh, yeah do you need to be uh, mechanically inclined to run a lawn care business i would say not a hundred percent that you have to but it sure is a massive advantage if you are so that's it for this one guys here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business bye for now